Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning again. It is Wednesday, the 16th of February. So we are in Acts chapter 16 and are reading through the Bible. If you haven't joined us yet, you still can. Um, Please do go to MyFaithRadio.com and join us in reading through the Bible, through the book of Acts in the month of February. We have a daily podcast associated with that and an excellent downloadable study guide to enrich your reading time. Um, We are also in the midst of our Kindness Always initiative. You can get more information about that and join us at MyFaithRadio.com. So three headlines this morning um, out of courtrooms or legal legal settlements that I want to make you aware of as we apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. First up, Prince Andrew has reached a settlement with a woman who um, has credibly accused him of sexual abuse when she was a teenager. Details are not public. Uh, The actual amount of the settlement is not public, Uh, but it will spare Prince Andrew from having to publicly admit um, wrongdoing or testify under oath. And so this is a financial settlement, the amount of which is not disclosed. Um, The details are not public, but what is done in the dark uh, does not remain hidden. Let's just be mindful of that. The truth comes out. The truth always comes out. Um, Prince Andrew is uh, referred to in the subhead of the New York Times article as disgraced. I want you to think about that word for a moment. I want you to think about the word it depends on. The word it depends on is grace. And so what does it mean for someone to be disgraced? And what does that look like um, in our cultural conversations today? The next headline I want to tee up for our consideration is about Remington, the uh, Remington, uh, the gun manufacturer. Uh, so this is a first of its kind case. Remington agreed to a $73 million settlement with the families of victims of the Sandy Hook school shooting, which took place 10 years ago now. I think so. Um, maybe, maybe longer. I'm going to have to think about my timeline there. I think it was in 2012, so I think 10 years ago. Um, So those families claimed that Remington was liable because of how it marketed an AR-15-style rifle um, that was used in that particular school shooting. Um, And so the victims of the Sandy Hook school shooting were first graders and their teacher. And every time we talk about this case or anything related to it, I think we should remember them. I think we should remember those precious children, those precious lives. Each of them and all of them. Their lives were cut short and no amount of money is going to assuage the grief of those families, um, nor fill those voids in life. It's also not going to restore the loss of freedom and security that we all experienced as a people that day. 
when little children in a classroom um, were targeted. The third headline is related to Sarah Palin. Uh, the judge in um, in the case related to the New York Times um, is dismissing the liable case. So even after sending um, sending the case to the jury, the judge then said that uh, the liable case will be dismissed against the New York Times, saying that the former uh, vice presidential candidate failed to prove that the Times acted out of malice. That's the word I want to focus on, out of malice um, in 2011 when it actually uh, linked Sarah Palin's uh, campaign to a shooting in Arizona. So I want to focus on the word malice because malice is the desire or the intent, the intentional intent to do evil. And the Bible has a lot to say about malice. In Isaiah chapter 58, we read, Then you'll call, and the Lord will answer. You'll cry for help, and the Lord will respond, Here I am. If you do away with the yoke among you and pointing fingers and malicious talk, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the needs of those who are afflicted, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will be like noonday, and the Lord will guide you continually continually, and satisfy your soul in the parched places and strengthen your bones And you'll be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters never fail. Malice or malicious talk, talk that is intended to do harm, is what is focused on there in Isaiah 58. And then in Colossians chapter 3, Paul reminds us it's because of these things that the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. You used to behave like them as you lived among them, but now... You must get rid of anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene speech, and all such sins. Don't lie to one another. For you have stripped off the old nature with its practices and have clothed yourselves with a new nature, which is being renewed in full knowledge, consistent with the image of the one who created it. Malice is not that which characterizes the life of Christ, nor the life of those who follow him. And so when you read malice in the headlines of the day, you'll now be equipped to speak to it. Bill English is waiting in the wings. He and I are going to talk about some of the financial headlines of the day um, on what's going on at the economic level of right in our own homes. I mean, you know, ultimately all economics is home economics. So what are the economics of your home today? We're going to talk about that in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. is back. Bibleandbusiness.com is where you can find him. Hey, hey, good morning. Good morning. How's my Carmen? Oh, I'm so good. It's well with my soul, you know? Good for you. Good for you. Praise God. Okay. Fiscal health. Fiscal health. Um, Fiscal health. Yeah. What exactly does that mean? Because apparently the United States has a zero. Well, yeah. We're 31 some trillion dollars in debt as a nation, and that doesn't include the debt of uh, of all these retirement plans and the debt, the household debt on credit cards and 
The mortgage debts that we have, yeah, I can see why it would be zero. Okay, so fiscal health must be something in relationship to debt to equity, how much I owe versus how much I have on hand to use to pay it. And if that gets super duper out of whack, which it is in the United States, um, then my fiscal health rating is going to be bad, in this case, zero. Yeah, and so fiscal health uh, really really looks at how well um, people manage their money. Right. Mm. And so uh, there's within our audience, uh, I think because of of various uh, programs that have taught about stewardship and how to how to use money, I think within our faith radio audience, we probably have a higher percentage than normal of the population of people who manage their money. Well, still across America, uh, most people manage their money by saying, I have this much money. Let's go spend it. Um, I was recently talking with a friend who works with NFL players, and this individual told me that many, if not most of the NFL players, within five years after retiring are broke because they started to live at an income level uh, of several million dollars a year or half a million dollars a year or whatever it is, and they didn't really save for the future. So a lack of good money management leads to a low fiscal health uh, score. So I don't know personally very many um, former NFL players, but I know one, um, and his name is Fred Hoagland. Um, and and a truth be told, like he was retired when I knew him on Hilton Head like 20 years ago. So I'm, it's possible he's with the Lord now. But here's what I remember Fred telling me about what the good counsel he got from a Christian um, businessman and friend in his first year playing for the NFL. So this goes back a really long time, like they were still taking buses and had jobs in the offseason and all of that. So um, so, I mean, (laughs) this this goes way back. I mean, like, I don't think Fred was making a lot of money um, anyway. But um, what uh, what his advisor and Christian mentor in business told him was, Fred, you have to start tithing right now. Like, start tithing right now. I know you don't think you can afford it, but you have to start tithing right now. And they talked through all of that. And what they um, ultimately decided was they were going to continue living on what they were living on then, and what grew over time was what they gave away. And so where initially they were living on 90% and giving away 10%, by the time he retired, they were living on 10% and giving away 90% um, because that that's that was the fiscal health formula that you know they agreed to they also every time they moved to a new city the first decision that they made was where they were going to go to church and that then determined what neighborhood they were going to buy a house in and that I'm makes just total saying. sense that makes total right? sense doesn't it i know because <clears throat> christians tithe first now i i believe in being generous uh, beyond a tithe but christians tithe first then we save, then we spend. And so mm. what I've, what I've uh, been telling my kids who are now in their mid-20s, uh, the 80-10-10 rule, it's just, it's just a simple thing. You know, tithe 10, save 10%, and then live on 80% of your take-home pay, not your gross mm-hmm. pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, all right, we got to take a very brief break. When we come back, can we talk a little bit about labor participation versus employment rates? Because... I get confused when I hear headlines 
um, related to unemployment. And yet I recognize I know a lot of people who aren't working. So can we talk about that? You bet. Fantastic. All right. So um, Bill English, as always, is so gracious to help me understand the financial headlines of the day. So next, we're going to talk about the U.S. labor market. Who's working? Who's not working? What's the difference between labor participation and employment? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, all kinds of headlines, uh, economic today, conversations uh, related to the suspension of the federal gas tax as a way of helping consumers, uh, you know, pay at the pump. Um, I think that is likely not going to happen, but you're going to see that in the headlines. Uh, Congress absolutely needs to reach an agreement by the end of the week related to how it's going to pay its bills. So that is a looming conversation as well. We're talking with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com about financial headlines today. All right, Bill. So I'm reading that the U.S. labor market is really, really strong. Um, Help me understand the difference between a labor participation rate and an employment rate because the unemployment rate is really, really low. But there's a reason for that. Yeah. So the labor force participation rate measures how many people who could be working are actually working. The unemployment rate measures how many people who are looking for jobs are unable to find jobs. So those are those are two different measurements. How they relate is that um, you can have a falling labor force participation rate, which we have had since COVID began, and have a very low unemployment rate. And and the two can be true because fewer people are looking for work and unable to find it. So um, the real the real bug here is that we have in our labor force participation rate, uh, right before COVID, about 63.4% in January of 2020, of the people who could have been working were actually working. Uh, today, that is that part that is down to 62.2 percent. Someone's going to say, "Well, that's only 0.9 percent difference," or maybe that's a 1.1 percent difference. I, you know, I'm not a math major, right? <laughs> um, I, I, have, I have stories about math in high school, uh, but anyways, the the point is that just even a percentage drop is a significant drop that it represents several million people who could be working who are just choosing not to for various reasons. Those who really want to work and are unable to find work. Uh, are less than way less than four percent. I think they're even going to be closer to three percent here at some point. And um, those those people um, are few and far between, quite frankly. Usually, in, a, in an economy, you want about a four to five percent unemployment rate because that's the rate that that recognizes the normal churn, the normal transition of people from one job to another. So, it's not uncommon for the unemployment rate to be between four and five percent for that reason. Okay, I want to talk about inflation, uh, particularly as it relates to rent. Um, So people are having a really hard time um, either keeping up with rising rents where they are um, because those, you know, those increases were suppressed under COVID unnaturally for so long that now people are experiencing, you know, rental rate hikes that they 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 can't pay. and so can we have a conversation about 
uh, about rent, about inflation, about the housing market. You know, I don't know. Take this where take this where you want to go. <laughs> well, inflation is there because we have too many dollars chasing too few goods, right? We now just the M1 money supply. We were up over twenty trillion dollars in our economy, uh, up from about one point three trillion in two thousand seven. So. Uh, we just have way too many dollars floating in this economy. In terms of the housing market, the low interest rates have, have given a lot of homeowners an opportunity to refinance at much lower rates and save themselves hundreds, in some case thousands of dollars a month. That actually has partially contributed to people not going back into the labor market because uh, mm. now they're able to live on less dollars, right? Because they have a lower mortgage payment. So that, that that's there. Whenever government suppresses um, natural price increases and then releases their hand off of that off of that pressure and lets the market go back to stasis, you're going to see a jump in the prices. And that's what's happened here with rents. And so rents are going up. Uh, they should have been going up all along, but the government suppressed that, especially suppressed that with um, their moratorium on evictions. Evictions are a normal way to keep uh, rents actually down, not up. Uh, but when they suppressed evictions, that increased the costs for the landlords, and landlords have to recoup it from somewhere. And so they, they um, uh, raised the rents on those who are paying. Hmm. All right. So I'm reading a lot about um, all kinds of creative uh, combinations of people buying houses together. We might have to hold off on that particular conversation. But I guess I'm wondering, do you have um, are you seeing generationally like creative solutions to um, to the housing crisis? I personally am not. But let's remember that I live in a uh, a fairly wealthy suburb of the Twin Cities. And mm-hmm. so I doubt that I would see that here in the, in the suburb that I live in. I think if I lived in other parts of the country, I probably would see it. Mm-hmm. So I have seen a couple of interesting things happen um, just in my own, you know, network of people across the country. One, in one case, you know, a, a son who is still single, never got married, moving back home to care for his parents, um, you know, in their in their older age and really finding that he could do his work as just as easily from their house as he could from where he had been living. And so he actually sold his condo um, in Texas and now lives full time with them, sort of, you know, like back at home. But they need him in ways that, uh, you know, are, are enabling them to stay in their house um, in a time when they might otherwise not be able to. So that one's kind of cool. And then right here on our street, we have uh, neighbors who are now of the grandparent age. Um, their house is obviously bigger than they need. And so they've moved into the lower level, which in the Twin Cities you'd call the basement, but here it leads out into, uh, it, it has exterior exposure. So I don't know what you call it here. And, um, and, and their kids have moved into the house house, if that makes sense, with their grandkids. Yeah. And, and, you know, back to your first illustration, uh, we're seeing this now. We are seeing this more and more where family members are moving back together in order to care for aging parents. As the number of care providers leave the healthcare industry, the healthcare industry in and of itself, the whole system has to continue to look at more um, more sick people, the more acute uh, situations, the higher 
um, criticality of patients. That's where they have to focus. So those who have lesser um, criticality needs um, are finding that they have to rely on either home care agencies, but those people are, home care agencies are not well staffed either right now. And so they're having to rely on family and we're, we're starting to see family uh, move back together for that reason. I have a I have a nurse in, in the home care agency that I'm running, a uh, really good nurse, and she's leaving to care for her aging father. And and you kind of look at that and you go, well, yeah, that's that's probably what you have to do. But she's giving up a good portion of her career in order to do that for her dad. Mm-hmm. One wonders how aging parents who have been cut off from their kids are going to make it. Um, that That family, those family dynamics will play into that as well. All right. Word of the day now. Criticality. Criticality. There you go. That's the word of the day from Bill That's English. You can. It is a good word. There you go. You can find Bill at BibleAndBusiness.com or on Twitter at BibleBusiness. Bill, as always, thanks so much. You bet. Thanks, Carmen. Conversation about grace and our daily need for it up next. We think of grace as amazing. We recognize that grace is all sufficient. And man, we need it. We need it. We need it every single day. Brian Chappell is going to join us next. We're going to talk about daily grace. We're going to talk about our need for God's grace and how it pours is poured out to us each and every day that through grace we might live lives that are free from sin and really fueled for transformed living. Dr. Brian Chappell joins us next. Daily Grace. Joining us now, Pastor Brian Chapel. Uh, he's the pastor emeritus of Grace Presbyterian Church. He's also the president emeritus of Covenant Theological Seminary. He now serves um, in leadership of the Presbyterian Church in America. You know that as the PCA. Mostly, though, he's a brother in Christ who desires each and every one of us to make full use of the grace of God available to us each and every day. He joins us today to talk about daily grace. Brian, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, thank you so much. It's good to be with you again and to rejoice in the grace of God. I so thank you. I'm so thankful for the way you even talked about it as you were introducing me. Well, it is something that is amazing, right? I mean, I if we pause even for a moment and consider God's grace, like we're slack-jawed and hardly know what to say. It's it is extraordinary and amazing. And yet, we find ourselves in desperate need of it if we will if we will pause to consider that. And so, I appreciate that's kind of the approach that you've taken in daily grace, these 365 daily devotions reflecting God's unlimited grace. Just talk with us about grace. Like what is it and why do we need it? Grace is God's love for us that's not conditioned on our goodness before him. He is gracious to us, and that means God is providing for people who cannot provide for themselves. He provides pardon and forgiveness and love and a future and eternity, 
and we didn't deserve it. It's by grace that we're saved. It's by grace that we're held. It's by grace that the Lord is extending his love to us. And you know, what people do is they think of grace as somehow license. I've got grace so I can sin. And what I'm so concerned to say is, folks, actually, when you know how good is God's grace toward you, you love him. And, and what does that do? Well, it, it means that we are controlled, says the Apostle Paul, by the love of God, that our hearts desire to love the one who loved us first. And what that means is our, our daily devotions, our Bible reading, our prayer, we're not bribing God to be nice to us. We are actually feasting on the goodness of God. And that's, that's what daily grace is all about, a, a dose of grace every morning to give you joy that is the strength of walking with God, not feeling compelled, but at the same time rejoicing to do what God wants because we are his children by his grace, not by our goodness. We're talking with Dr. Brian Chappell about his new devotional book, Daily Grace, 365 Daily Devotions, Reflecting God's Unlimited Grace. Unlimited Grace is actually the name of the website where you can find Brian and tons of resources. So unlimitedgrace.com. Do I really need um, grace, God's grace every day, Brian? Do I need it new every morning? We, we all do. And I, I think of how I had to, to learn that. You know, Carmen, we, we have kind of a divided family. We, we have uh, three children that came along real quick. And, uh, and then later in life, we had a last child. We call that our Mac baby. Do you know what a Mac baby is? Uh, that, that's, uh, that's middle-aged crazy. And, and as, as, that, as that child, my daughter was in her high school years, my job has always involved a lot of travel. And uh, I would say to my wife, you know, this this gal is just so active and busy. I'm getting old. I can't keep up with her. And my my dear and wise wife said, the way we poured ourselves into the older kids, we need to pour into this one, too. And so what I would do is no matter how much I traveled, uh, I would get up early in the morning if I were home and I would fix breakfast for my daughter. And it was just cereal, but I called it breakfast. And and uh, what I would do is I would think, what is my obligation with this young Christian woman? And even as I'm filling up her cereal bowl with milk, I think my job is to fill up her heart with love for God. Why is that? Well, it's because you and I know there there are trials and there are temptations ahead. But if my child is filled up with love for Jesus— then she cannot be more safe or more strong. And that's not just true of my child. That is true of every child of God. If their heart is filled with love for Jesus, they cannot be more safe or more strong in the trials and the temptations of life. And what daily grace is about is just giving people, is filling up their cereal bowl of a heart every day with the goodness of the grace of God. So the joy of the Lord becomes their strength, so that in trial and temptation, they remember the God who loves them, who cares for them, who sent his son for them, and the grace of God is filling them up. And by that, they are made safe and strong in their walk with Christ. You know, Brian, as you're talking about your, um, you're talking about your daughter, and uh, I was reminded of a conversation that I had with a, with a parent who was older, um, and she was tired. Um, and she had one of those Mac babies, as you describe it. Um, 
And I remember her, I was, I was very young in ministry at the time, and I remember her talking about the challenges that she was facing um, at, at, as a mom at that stage of life. And she said, you know, my son, in this case, um, my son needs so much more than I have, and he needs so much more every day than I have. Um, and then I remember this statement, and it's a play on the word poor, so poor, you know, poverty poor, and then poor to physically pour something out or into. And I remember her saying, I'm too poor to pour into him. And so I need God's grace fresh every day because God is never too poor to pour into me. And that is so special. And it's exactly right. And it's why these daily devotions are moving us beyond our own resources to remind us of the God who has poured himself into us. And I need that every day. I need that dose of grace. I, I need that reminder of how great is his love. And, you know, these, these little devotions, are, it's a Bible verse and just a, a paragraph or two of a thought of what that means for my daily walk and then a prayer for God to remind me of his grace as I go through my day. And the reason is because of what you just said. God is providing for people who cannot provide for themselves or for their children enough apart from him. And so when we get that little dose of grace, it is strength for the day. It is hope for tomorrow. And when we know we are falling short, we all need that grace of God. We, we need to love the mercy again so that we're able to get up and go. My, my wife says, you know, <laughs> we have grandchildren now, and occasionally in our dealing with the grandchildren, we're reminded of our own faults and weaknesses with our children that are reflected in another generation. And my dear wife, she is so sweet. She can just get depressed about past failures and mistakes and anger. And, and she says she can just be tempted by Satan to go into that file cabinet of past errors. And she's learned to do this. She says, I never open that file cabinet of hard memories without unlocking it with the key that's called mercy. <laughs> mm. And I love that. We have to remember. But yes, we're, we're not perfect. Yes, we have failed, maybe miserably. But the mercy of God is greater than all our sin. And that grace we need to be reminded of because it, it lifts our heads. It, it gets us strong again. It makes us willing to get up and, and work with our children again, despite all the past difficulties, and, and know that that's the way God's dealing with me. He's the one that will forgive me again and help me again and strengthen me again. So I need that reminder of his grace. And it, it's not license. It is strength for the walk with Christ that is ultimately our joy. I know that you can tell by the tone of his voice that uh, the way Brian would be speaking to you in every single one of these daily devotions is just with this same um, affect, the same spirit, the richness of uh, of a of a life that has been um, in Christ for a long time, leading congregations and now leading a denomination. We are in day 47 of this year, 2022, and so when we return, we're going to turn to uh, devotion number 47 in Daily Grace, 365 daily devotions reflecting God's unlimited grace, and today's devotion on day 47 is based on Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 and 31. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. 
More Daily Grace with Brian Chappell when we come back. There's only grace. There's only We're talking with Dr. Brian Chappell about his book, Daily Grace, 365 Daily Devotions Reflecting God's Unlimited Grace. The website is unlimitedgrace.com. Brian, let's turn to number 47, simply because today is the 47th day of the year. That's that was the uh, that's how I picked this one, because we could have picked any of the 365 daily devotions in this book and been richly blessed. Will you read to us the devotion on um, on day 47? Well, thank you, Carmen. That's that's a blessing. And it, it refers to the verse you read before the break about the vigorous young men stumble ba- badly. They will mount up with wings like eagles. And this verse has never meant more to me than when ministering to a young man made an invalid by reckless driving. Though he was raised a Christian, his life was wild and his heart hard to God. So I expected his affliction would further harden him, and I dreaded speaking to him after he awoke from his coma. And for a while, he fought his predicament with a rash pride that had gotten him into trouble. He uttered vain predictions of beating this thing that would permanently confine him to a wheelchair. But when arrogance did not get him on his feet or drive away those who loved him, his heart opened to God. The young man who had stumbled so badly became a witness of the persevering love and the eternal promises of God. His faith brought him joy that a wheelchair could not restrain. His witness to the promises of Christ soared above his afflictions and brought others to understanding of the gospel. Though he had stumbled badly in body and spirit, the Lord lifted his soul and revived his spirit for God's purposes that will be fulfilled in heaven with a perfected body and the presence of others touched eternally by his life. Uh, It was a blessing, Carmen. Thank you for letting me read that and reminding myself even of how good is the grace of God for those who stumble badly. I was reminded in reading this, Brian, of the sufficiency of grace, and this person's life bears witness to a daily need for it in ways that sometimes those of us with, you know, a, a seemingly more abled body, like, right, I, I am prone to rely on my own ability or capability or resources, and this individual um, has had many of those capabilities taken away and is therefore reliant on the sufficiency of God's grace every day in ways that maybe I am tempted to rely on myself. And there's... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, there's just so much help there for me in that. I I need this every single day. Well, I remember, you know... Fanny Crosby, who wrote the amazing hymns that we love, so many of them. And she, she soon after she was born, of course, was struck blind by a, a doctor's mistake. And uh, late in her life, she said, I, I would not uh, have chosen another course. What did God do with my blindness? He shut me in with himself. I have been close to him all of my life. And I think it's not the course that any of us would choose 
But when God has eternal purposes in mind, he only provides grace for us. He only does what is best for eternity. And the trials of this life will be a blink of an eye compared to the goodness of knowing him forever and being in his presence. And with those that we love reunited and bodies made whole and the earth made perfect, uh, what God would do now, of course, is uh, let us experience the hard things, that the eternal things would be secure. And he does it for people who stumble badly, who are, who are hard against him, whose hearts have made terrible errors, but by his grace pardons us, makes us right with himself, and holds us forever. And, and that's a grace greater than all our sin. Hmm. Brian, I'm wondering, um, one of the things that I say frequently here, <laughs> that we talk about frequently, is that we're agents of grace. We are conduits of God's grace. Um, you know, we're kingdom ambassadors. We're, you know, it's supposed to be flowing through us. We're instruments of grace. Um, and I'm reminded that not only do I need God's grace, but that, you know, he calls me to extend it to others. What, what do you say to those of us for whom it is sometimes hard to extend to others the grace that we've received? Oh, wonderful. Uh, you know, the, the mass of men, others have said, struggle with their who and their do, right? They think who they are depends on what they do. But the gospel is the opposite. Um, what we do depends on who we are. We have been loved, forgiven, made right with God. And for that reason, we respond in love. The human instinct is the opposite, right? I'll do something and then God will love me. I'll get good enough and then I'll be okay with him. Well, listen, he's holy and you're not going to be holy until you're glorified with Jesus. God has loved you despite who you are. And there was a time I would, I would say to my son, Colin, you're a bad boy because you did that. It's so easy to say, in which I was actually saying the opposite of the gospel. I was saying, Colin, what you did determines what you are. You did something bad, so you're a bad boy. The gospel is the opposite. When the kindness and mercy of God came upon us, he loved us despite what we had done. I had to learn to say to my own child, Colin, don't do that. You're my son, and I love you. I I want what you do to be based upon our relationship. I don't want our relationship to be based upon what you do. And that's the gospel. And we need to constantly say to people, listen, God is not loving you based upon what you do, but faith in what Christ has done. And you're responding to his love, not earning it, not gaining it. Even these daily devotions, Carmen, so many people do devotions or Bible reading and prayer. They're trying to bribe the ogre in the sky to be nice to them and say, no, listen, this is the Father in heaven who gave his son for you. Feast on the goodness of God. Read in the scriptures with your gospel glasses on how God has cared for messed up people throughout the whole Bible. And when you begin to see that and, and pray to that God of the universe who, who loves you so much, you will be being filled up with the grace of God the joy of the Lord will fill you, and the joy of the Lord will be your strength. So we, we just over and over, Carmen, try to say to people, don't, don't believe that God is waiting to love you based upon what you do. And by the way, don't wait to love people based on what they do. We love people because they are children of God, made in His image. And, you know, I, I, I'm a pastor. Sometimes people get mad at me, and my temptation when they're firing darts at me <laughs> is to fire right back. And they have to say, now, wait a second. Behind those angry eyes is the living Christ inside of them. I need to treat this person according to who they are, 
not according to what they've done to me. Are there things to work through? Yes. But we treat people according to who they are, not according to what they've done, because that's what Jesus has done for us. So uh, people struggle with who and do. I remember God doesn't struggle. He says, uh, I am his child, and I need to respond to others as though they are as well, and teach them that God loves them as his own dear child. He loves them as much as he loves Jesus. And, and for that reason, we love him back. Treating people based on who they are, who I know them to be, image bearers of the living God, um, counted as worthy by God of, uh, of Christ himself. Treat people based on who they are, not what they've done. Um, Brian, what a gift to me today um, for me to then uh, extend by grace to others. Daily Grace is the book, 365 daily devotions reflecting God's ultimate grace. Brian Chapel is the author. You can find Brian and the book at unlimitedgrace.com. Brian, thank you so much. What a blessing blessing to me, Carmen. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll be right back. All righty. Where in the word are you today? I don't want to miss the opportunity to invite you to read with me Acts chapter 16 today. It's the 16th of February. We are reading through the book of Acts during the month of February. Please join me today in reading Acts chapter 16. Um, I am excited to inform you, if you're not aware, that this is where Timothy makes his appearance. Uh, And so Paul comes from uh, Derby to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy. And you're saying to yourself, Timothy, Timothy, I know this story of Paul and Timothy. Well, yes, because you know that Paul disciples Timothy and writes him ultimately the letters of First and Second Timothy. So you can't read First and Second Timothy without reading Acts chapter 16. So there you go. One of the ways that it is all connected together. We also have the story um, in chapter 16 of Paul and Silas in prison. Another um, another part of the story you don't want to miss because, well, hey, the Philippian jailer gets converted in this chapter. I'm just telling you, there's so much here. It's a really, really exciting chapter of Scripture. So um, don't miss it. Yeah, that's where in the word I am today. Where in the word are you today? All right, let, I'm just going to tell you here, I'm praying for you as you get out there into the world that God so loves, and I'm praying God's grace upon you and that you would be an instrument and conduit of his grace to others. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.